Isn't it awesome having a live band? You see how things can just flow when you got those gifts in the house too? Praise God. So, so they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Somebody say he forgot about communion. No, I didn't forget. We're going we're gonna to hit that up in the midst of this. Romans 5, 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And uh, we're going to look at this in the New Living Translation. Y'all can tell we just enjoy and flowing in, in him. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, we're going to go up to verse 11. It says, uh, read this first uh, one with me. Ready? Read. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to do what? To die for us when? 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 Now, I'm, I'm having you said it a few times because that's something that jumped out at me this morning when I was re going over this message again. While we were yet sinners, Christ still loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ was still there for us. While we were yet sinners, God still loved us. I'm gonna, let me look at something real quick. Because I want to show you this. Uh, go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23 real quick. Romans 3, 23. He did this, the Bible talks about one version, while we were his enemies. For everyone has sinned, we all far short of God's what? Glorious standard. Verse 24, yet God freely and graciously declares that we were righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as what? The sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they do what? Believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. We talked about this last week with the currency of the blood and how the blood purchased us. But I want you to connect this with the scripture we just read. He did all of that for you while you were his enemy, while you were against him. Now, when I think about enemies like of America, does America help its enemies? No, we do not. <laughs> we, do, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't give money to them. We show sure enough don't bail them out and save them. It is not a natural thing to save your enemies. It is not a natural thing to support your enemies. And it doggone sure is not normal to send your one and only son to those who are against you. But God, who is love, not only saved you, but he did it with the blood of his one and only son. What type of love does that? I'll tell you what type of love. It's, it's not a what, it's a who. It's God who is unconditional love. He has, because he is love, he has no choice but to save you. Yes. 
He has no choice but to support you. That's why I say all the time, God ain't mad at you. If he did this for you when you were an enemy, what do you think he's doing for you now that you're a son or a daughter? I said if he saved you as an enemy, what makes you think he's not supporting you as a son? Yet the devil likes to make us think that after we get saved, there's some disconnection that we can experience with God. Can I tell you, it's all in your head. I don't know how he could save me as a sinner and then reject me as a saint. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Your father loves you. Your father believes so much in you that he paid for you with his son. He's not going back on that deal. He's not turning you back in. Say this with me. God loves me. And while I was a sinner, I became forgiven and cleansed through the blood of Jesus. Now, is that true, that statement you just made? Now the question is, is do you believe it? I mean, you, you in church on Sunday, so I know you believe it right now. I know you can believe it sitting in the blue pew, but I'm saying when you're at the seat at work, I'm saying when you're at the bank account, or sorry, at the, at the bank, and you're standing in line checking your account, uh, when you're in the argument with your spouse, uh, when they're giving you the pink slip, can you then believe that you are the righteousness of God? After you've committed a sin, can you then believe that you are the righteousness of God? Because that's when the rubber's going to meet the road. That's when you're going to have to sit up there and declare that although I've made this mistake, although this may be happening in my life, I am the righteousness of God. God still loves me. Now somebody says, well, why would I do that? What does that do for me? It begins to change the way you think. i never forget uh, hearing a story about a young man <clears throat> who was um, having a weed problem. And he goes to the pastor and says, Pastor, you know, uh, I need some help uh, with this weed. I, I can't seem to put it down. And the pastor told him, every time you pick up that weed, I want you to say one thing. I want you to say, I'm the righteousness of God before you take a hit. And the guy looked at him and said, okay, that's a little unusual. He was expecting to be condemned and beat down by that pastor. But that pastor told him, God loves you and you've been made the righteousness of God. You are saved with your weed smoking self. But all you need to do is sit up there and remind yourself of who you really are. You are not a pothead. Uh, you are not a smoker. You are the righteousness of God. What was that pastor doing? He was telling that guy to see himself as Jesus saw him. So you need to see yourself beyond your natural circumstances. You need to see yourself beyond your mistakes. And you need to begin to see yourself through the blood of Jesus. Because that's who you really are. So that young man found himself rolling up a good one. It was nice and tight and he got it right. And he lit it. And he remembered what the pastor said. And right before he took the hit, he said, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. And then something began to happen on the inside of his thinking and the inside of him, something birthed and was woke up and in the midst of that sin, salvation began to take effect in its hold 
on his thinking. And he's about to take that next hit. And he said, I'm the righteousness, I'm the right, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God. And he said, within that moment, when his mind was changed, the taste was gone. Because of the work that salvation had already done manifested in his life. See, it's not about you trying to change your behavior without God. You have to declare who does he say you are. I promise you, you ain't going to be able to do all them drugs declaring who you are. I promise you, you ain't going to be able to cheat, commit adultery, find yourself in somebody else's bed that ain't your bed. You ain't going to be able to do that while declaring who you are. I just told somebody this yesterday. Stop trying to change your behavior and work on your relationship with God. Because when you know who he is, it, it, it'll tell you who you are. And as a result, you will begin to think in line with who you are and therefore live in line with who you are. Say that with me. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. Let's go to a Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 11. Uh, let's look at this in the Message Bible, 11 through uh, 15. As the righteousness of God, we have to realize that all our sins have indeed, as it says up here for number four, have been forgiven. See, God loves us. Grace sacrificed and died for us, who is Jesus, and therefore we are forgiven. This is all what God did for us. It's not what we have to do for him. Titus 2.11 says, uh, let's look at this in the Message Bible. And as they're getting that there, it says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing what? Salvation to all people. Are you part of all people? I said, are you part of all people? Then salvation has been made for who? No, 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 I want you to personalize it. Salvation has been made for who? Salvation has been made for who? Are you saved? Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> that means you are free from the penalties of sin. That means you are free from the power of sin. That means you are safe from hell. But that also means you are sons and daughters of God. Salvation is yours. Not somebody else's. Salvation is whose? Yours. Somebody say, why are you spending time on this? Because like I said, when you get to Thursday, I need you to remember that salvation is yours. Amen. Y'all got the message Bible back there? Wait, we lost the message. Okay, amen. Okay, well, let's try, let's try the Amplified. We got that? Yay, nay. Maybe. Rete. All right, we're going with the NLT. We got to keep going. All right. Uh, for the grace of God has been, y'all go ahead and get those versions loaded up for me, though. Uh, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Verse 12. And we are instructed to do what? to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Now, 
again, I'm all about the sequence of things. I don't think the word gets things out of sequence when you're looking at these scriptures like this. Uh, go back to 11 real quick. Let me show you this. It says grace, grace came, was revealed, was Jesus, and we got saved, right? Then it says in verse 12, we are then instructed to turn away from godless living. When do I turn away from godless living? Before I get saved or after I get saved? Okay, we need to remember that. It takes the power of God, it takes salvation in my life to help me to act better. My relationship with God, my relationship with his word changes the way I think, and as a result, I can do what this says. Say that with me. Say, I can live like God wants me to because I'm saved. See, I don't try to live the way God wants me to to be saved. No, it becomes a conscious decision of mine to say, Lord, I'm going to have a relationship with you. I'm going to learn your will, allow you to transform my mind, and I will have good works or live like you have designed me to live. But that all happens after I receive what he did for me. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. We were instructed to turn away from godless living and sinful pleasures. How can I turn away from sinful pleasures? Because I'm saved free from its power and free from its penalties. I can't turn away from sin if I'm not saved. Why? Because I am a sinner who sins if I'm not saved. But if I am saved, what does saved mean? I believe in what he did, Jesus being him, and that it made me right with God. If I'm saved, sin has no more dominion or power over me. Now, I can choose to continue to submit my life to sin. But I now have a choice. Whereas as a sinner, I was gonna do, I'm going to do what sinners do. Why? Because God does not live on the inside of me. But you say, well, Archie, I hear what you're saying, but there are some people who still do right even though they're not saved. Yeah, there's a thing called a moral law that all human beings are aware of. I know I shouldn't walk out of here and just murder somebody. I know if that's not my wife, I don't need to be sleeping with her. It ain't enough of y'all saying amen. Amen. Glory to God. Do we need to go over the moral law? We gonna, okay, we'll do that in a minute. You know, Ten Commandments, y'all know those? Yeah, that, that, those, those make up the moral law. And then the other 600, and was it three, came after that that made 613. And while we are free from the Mosaic law, those moral laws existed before the Ten Commandments, and they're still in effect after them. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you're saved, but there's still rules that are found in those moral laws and then the royal law of love that Jesus talks about. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your labor as yourself. Bible says those moral laws and, and then the law of love are written on our heart. So we don't get away from those things. So whether you're saved or not, you still know that's wrong. But now as a race to the Mosaic law, we're free from that. But a sinner sins. But a saint, one who has been saved and made right, has a choice. And those choices for the saint are going to be based on have I submitted my life to the will of God? if I've submitted my life to the will of God, then what I will do is say, 
Now, Lord, according to Romans 12, 2, transform my thinking. Because I still have the old thinking. I don't know what your word says. I know now I have a choice, but I don't know the right choice in detail. I don't understand it. I don't know it. And I also need the Holy Spirit's help because I'm a human to then carry it out. Perfect case in point. God says, pray for the people for healing. God tells Pastor Melissa, come down and do it. We have a choice. We have a choice to believe God or not. Because all sin is based in unbelief, correct? So we have a choice. Do I believe God? Now, had I not done and had Pastor Melissa not done what God said, would that have been sin? Absolutely. The Bible says to know good, to do good, excuse me, <clears throat> to know to do good and not do it is sin. Was what he told us to do good? Absolutely, because it was his will, right? So if we chose not to do it while in church, while being pastors, with our saved selves, we would have sinned. That's why when these people talk about, I'm, I'm living my life for God and I'm not sinning, I'm like, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Have you not obeyed him today? Then you've sinned. But the good news is, you're free from the penalty of what you did because of grace. So you get the opportunity to say, dang it, Lord, I missed you. Hence having a heart of repentance. I'm gonna make sure I listen to you next time. Help me transform my mind so I trust you next time. Does that make sense to everybody? So you don't beat yourself up and become condemned because you missed them. But all people who are saved have a choice. And the closer you get to God in relationship, the more he will transform you and the more good works or obedience will be produced out of your life. And I want especially my young people to hear this. You, the less amount of time that you spend in relationship with God, the weaker your hearing will be. Does that mean you're going to hell? No. Does that mean you're a bad person? No. You just have not tuned in to the podcast called God enough to hear or understand him. So when he speaks, not only to help you, but to tell you to help others, you don't recognize his voice. And I want everybody to understand that this is no respecter of gender or age or ethnicity. God speaks to us all. He has a, he has a will for everyone who can hear him. That means if you're three years old and can understand God saying you're going to be a preacher, then guess what? He has a will that you can hear. If you're 75 and he's saying I want you to go out and win souls, then guess what? He has a will for you can hear. It doesn't turn on at a certain age. As soon as you can hear and comprehend, that's why you see these little videos of them babies preaching and stuff like that, them little kids preaching. They're, people think it's funny. They're hearing God. The devil ain't telling them to do that. And trust me, it's ministering to somebody. So it says, as we were instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and there it is, and devotion to God. This happens after you're saved. You now have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you who gives you all wisdom. You are the righteousness. And now you have to be, make a choice to be devoted to God. To wake up and do devotions is your choice. 
to live a life in line with his word and will, that's your choice. Somebody say that with me. Say, it's my choice. The day that we say, hey, we're going to go out and do outreach on this Sunday, that's going to be your choice. It's going to be your choice if you get nervous. Oh, I don't like to speak to people, so, you know, I, I don't know. That's your choice. One thing you will never get when you walk in these doors is condemnation. If you do, let me know personally, please. No. But man, you're going to get challenged. I said, you're going to get challenged. Are you willing to live a life devoted to God? I'll say that, Lord. And don't be upset and think this is not the place for you because you're choosing to be left behind. The devil's going to try to tempt you as we move forward, and he's already started with some, to start thinking that this is not the church for me, this is not the place for me because I don't feel like I'm with everybody here. No, it's because you're making a stubborn choice and to be obstinate and left behind. You're trying to hold on to something we were and not willing to walk with who we are. It doesn't make you a bad person, it just makes you immature. And part of our responsibility is to challenge you on that and say God has something greater for this entire church, which includes you. So now you've got to step outside of that way of thinking and make a choice to say, I'm going to be devoted to God's will. This is my church. This is my ministry. This is what I'm called to. And I'm going to be right in step and in line with where we're going. That's a choice. I said, that's a choice. Amen. Where are we at? Titus. Okay, let's go to uh, verse 13. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when we glory, uh, when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Talking about when he returns. Verse 14. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. You see that right there? Are you free from sin? Are you free from sin? How many of you guys have sinned in the last two months? I ain't say two minutes, not just last two months. Yeah, probably most of us in this room, if we're telling the truth. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just lied, so raise your hand now. Amen. But I want you to understand, and I'm trying to, and I'm, and I'm making light of it, but I want you to have a different relationship now with your understanding of sin. I don't want it to become this horrible thing that makes you think, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been... There was, there's like 20-something years of teaching that I'm still digging away for if sin is in your life. I mean, you would never hear a pastor admit that, you know, I've sinned in the last two months. Because that meant that person for a moment was going to hell. And it's not the truth. Sin is something that has no power. And if you don't have no power over me, I'm not worried about you. I'm not ashamed I'm very free in my understanding and communication relating to you. Not only, it's not about, you know, disrespecting, you know, and dishonoring if somebody has fallen into sin, but it's having the right relationship and understanding with the truth that says that has no power over me. So as a result, I can now put this in the right priority and say, Lord, as I learn your will, sin will be no more of a natural issue in my life. So let me be honest, sin doesn't hurt me at all as it relates to my salvation 
but it can't stop me from being obedient to God's will on earth. So that's why now I want to say, okay, let me get this in check. So Holy Spirit, you can help me now walk away from these old ways. If you understand that, say amen. So he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. Then it says to cleanse us. He gave his life to free us, but then he also gave his life to cleanse you. Whose responsibility is it to cleanse you? Whose responsibility is it to cleanse you? Whose responsibility is it to cleanse you? God's. Not, no, not yours, say not mine's. It's God's. And to make us his very own people, who gives you entrance into the house of God? Jesus. God. None of that's on you. All you got to do is receive it and believe it. Totally committed, here it is, to doing good deeds. I'm committed to doing good deeds because I'm a son. I'm committed to doing good deeds because to be honest with you, that's all that's left for me to do. I don't have to save myself. I don't have to cleanse myself. I don't have to make myself right. So unless I just want to be trifling, there's nothing else for me to do other than say, what do you want me to do? I want you to go do some good out there. Yes, sir. It is so simple. And that is the part that we're supposed to be doing. It's this bottom part down here that says, that's the cross's part and that's God's part, but here's my part. In the sense of, what do you want me to do? Now the good news is, is I don't do that by my own strength. God transforms my thinking, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit. My part is just to choose. And then after I make the choice, he transforms and then I obey what he says to do. Your job is to believe, choose, and obey. That's it. That's it. Believe what he did, choose his will, and obey. Somebody say, why do you keep saying this? Yeah, I'm going to keep saying it until you do it. It's to believe, <laughs> to choose, and obey. And I, I know you tried last week. I know you tried to do it. I'm saying I need to just get deep on the inside of you. Because for some of us, we'll do good in believing, but then we won't do so good in the choosing his will that week. We won't do so good in, in relating with him and spending time with him because we get busy, amen? And then some of us will believe and we'll choose his will, but then when he tells us to do something, it makes us a little nervous and we don't obey. Or again, we get busy and we don't obey. And I'm telling you, if you want to see the manifestation of grace in your life, you got to believe him. You got to choose his will. And then don't fall short and find yourself in disobedience. What is he telling you to sow financially? What is he telling you to speak verbally? Where is he telling you to go? Who is he telling you to talk to? Don't allow disobedience to cause you to be like the children of Israel who had the form of godliness, literally had God with them, and they looked the part, but then they kept missing it. You remember how many times they missed it? 
they, they literally, uh, at least a generation of them, literally missed the promised land due to disobedience. While you and I have been promised heaven, some of us are missing our promised land here on earth and that's almost a shadow or a foreshadow of grace saying, it's available, I even showed it to you. But because there's giants over there, because there's things over there where I'm telling you, where I'm telling you to go, it's yours. But because of your disobedience, you won't see it. And I'm telling you, not another day should go by that you don't get your daily promised land. There's a, there's, oh, thank you, Lord. There's a, Daily promise of provision, prosperity, promotion, safety, security that God has for you every day. And I declare that you won't miss another day of what God has promised for you. That you will believe him, that you will choose his will, and that you will obey. We will obey. See, their promised land was a destination. Your promised land is a daily uh, manifestation of grace. And it's real, guys. It's real. I declare your happiness will not miss you another day. Your joy, you won't miss it another day. I got to say the way what he said. I try to stay away from these material things that I want to make all this materialistic. But he said, your car... It's not going to miss you. Somebody in here believing for a brand new car, it ain't going to miss you another day. You've been working, trying to get it, trying to do this, trying to get it. You're trying to get your credit together, trying to get it. And he's saying, don't worry about all that. Obey me, and you got it. It's for his will. Who that believing for a car? Somebody believing for a car? No, raise your hand for real, if you are. I declare in Jesus' name that everyone with their hand raised who believes you, Lord, who chose to obey what this moment was, receives that vehicle. And I thank you for every purpose that you have it designed for. They will submit to your will with it, and therefore they have it in Jesus' name. Now y'all watch, y'all watch what I'm saying, show as I'm standing up here. On this stage, watch the manifestation because those vehicles will be used for his will. What that mean? That mean they're going to be bringing everybody to church? I don't know. If God tell them to do that, his will could be having transportation for them to get to work so that they can do what he says to do there. So don't get all spiritually deep all the time with it. It's whatever he said to do with it. Our job is to choose his will and submit to it and say, Lord, what you want me to do? He may just say, I need you to go to work because I got some, I need you to go there and shine. And be love. So don't you start saying with the will, just whatever it is. I'm telling y'all, this thing is, is, is real. He gave his life to free us. Verse 15, you must teach these things. See, this is why I'm spending so much time on this. Paul was telling Titus, or Timothy was telling Titus, you, you got to teach these things. And encourage Who? Encourage who? Encourage the believers. So that's people who already have accepted all of this, but they need to be encouraged to do this. 
See, that's why you come to church. Amen. Amen. You're not coming here just to hear, you know, all new revelations all the time and everything like that. that. That happens and that will happen. But really, you're coming here so that we can charge you up with encouragement that all is well. Now go obey God. Every week, all is well. Now go obey God. But I want to shout. Shout about all being well. And I get to go obey God. But I want to feel something. I don't know what makes me feel better knowing that all is well <laughs> because of what Jesus did. And I can't mess that up. Thank God. And now I have the, I have the opportunity to be a part of his plan. That's good news. So you got to teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. Not just believe them. I said, not just believe them. You believed in him. I don't need you just trying to believe that the work will work. You need to do the work. <laughs> Amen? The work is for you to do. Obedience is for you to do. There's been too many people in the body of Christ who just believe that that's good work. Oh, that's good. I praise God for what they did. No, believing is for up here. And then I, I do believe, yes, in God's, you know, ultimate, you know, will for my life and that he trusts and all that. But we, we, we applying belief to the whole thing in the sense of that's all I got to do is just sit here and believe. God's like, yeah, but, but now I need you to go and do. And that's what he's saying here in Titus. Preach this, or teach this, and encourage the believers to do them. And then he's talking to the leaders of the church, saying, you have the what? Authority to correct them when? When necessary. He ain't be talking to me like that. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. <laughs> I'm just playing with y'all. But not for us preachers and us teachers. We can't be up here all, all, all uh, what's the word? That's not a, a sorry. We can't be up here all sorry, afraid of what people going to think or who ain't going to come to church because we say the truth. No, no, you ain't supposed to be mean because remember, you ain't supposed to leave out of here condemned, but you should leave out challenged. And what this word ought to be doing right now is as you're sitting there, it ought to be adjusting your thinking, correcting some things that you were like, I wasn't going to do that, but now I, I, I got to be obedient and do what God said. Or, I mean, I hadn't been really trusting in him in this area. And there should be corrections taking place. And then if you come up and talk after service or we get on the phone and talk, whatever like that, then, you know, and I start hearing some or Pastor Melissa starts hearing some, we can't be afraid to correct that. And say, no, that's not, are you sure? Have you, you know, one of my things I love to say is, what did God say? You know, one of the easiest ways to correct something is send the person back to the source. What, what is his will for your life? And, and, and we as teachers, if we love you, we're going to do that. And we love y'all. Amen? All right, let's finish this up. Amen. Uh, let's go to um, Hebrews 4. We're going to look at uh, verse 1. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Are y'all getting something out of this today? Amen. Amen. 
I just love the way the word just comes together for us every week. I mean, God is so faithful. Amen. <clears throat> so as we kind of close this out, I want, I want you to think of it this way. All this has been done for me. I now understand what my part, I'm starting to see what my part is. That is to, is to do, it's to obey. I got to choose his will and then I got to choose to actually go and do it. So there has to be something that happens in your mind, aka your heart, also known as your heart, that's called rest. We kind of lightly talked about it a couple of weeks ago and I'm going to go through some of that again because when you get into the week, when you get out of this service, that's what's going to be attacked. Your rest is always under attack. You see some people have a hard time with this in the natural. Say they have a hard time just sitting down. You ever been somewhere, maybe to a family event or something like that, and those people just feel like they got to do something? You like, it makes you nervous. They're just walking around. So you say, sit down, calm down. Everything will be fine. How do I know that so well? I used to be one of them people. I used to in Jesus' name. I heard somebody say, used to. Yes, in Jesus' name. Call those things that be not. Because a lack of rest is a sign of fear. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid that something's going to mess up and it's going to look bad on you. You're afraid that things are going to fall apart. You're afraid that somebody's going to make you look bad. You hear how quiet I got? <laughs> Outside of my voice leaving. <laughs> but, but you're literally afraid. And so what you start doing is you start out of worry, you start working. You start going to fix it on your own. And Hebrews 4 talks about this. Let's look at it. It says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. What is his rest? His rest is the manifestation of grace. His rest is that promised land. His rest is that place that says you can now cease from your works. I got it. That promise still stands. It's available for all of us. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of us may fail to experience it. Remember the example I gave earlier about the children of Israel, some of them, a generation of them not entering in? That's kind of what they're shadowing to. It's like some of y'all, it's available, but some of y'all might not experience it. That's why I declare that your promises, you're going to experience them every day. Because you're going to choose to rest. Verse 2. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. They knew it and so do you. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who chose, I'm taking a little liberty here, to listen and I know you listen and you're choosing because you're doing something that the speaker told you to do. Don't tell me you listen to me and you ain't doing nothing I said to do. I know you listened. I know you heard me because I can see it in what you're doing. Because they didn't share the faith of those who listen to God. The only reason why you won't listen is because you're not believing. That's the only reason. 
Don't play games with it no more. You know, just, you know, just come to a conclusion. I don't, I don't really believe him. So now, Lord, help me with my unbelief. And he'll do it. He'll help you with it. But you got to be honest. I'm not doing what he said because I don't believe. I got an attitude while I'm doing what he said because I don't believe. I'm backbiting and gossiping because I don't believe. Because some of us are in the midst of his will and we're doing those things. And I need you to understand that immaturity is a sign of unbelief. Well, at least I'm here. They ought to be happy I'm just here. We're not happy because you're just here. We would be happier if you would be here and believe. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching. Don't get offended by that. That's the truth. How you know? Because I was doing it too. Right in the will of God. Missing God. Talking behind the pastor's back. Talking behind the leader's back. Doing all of this and saying they ought to just be happy I showed up and I'm here. We're not. <laughs> we operating in joy. But we were happy with the old Jew that used to believe. Amen. And we'd be glad when you come back and believe. But we'll pray for you in the meantime. Amen. God has prepared his rest. And we ought to be nervous about the ones who will miss it because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Verse 3. For only we who believe can enter into his rest. Now again, just paralleling that back. Those who believe the report of Caleb and Joshua those who believe that God was strong enough to keep his word. Those who believe that if the power of God needed to come upon them to take the land with the giants, those were the ones who entered in. I believe. I believe that there's nothing too hard for my God. I believe that there's nothing too big for my God. I believe that no matter what I see, I know what I know. I said, I believe no matter what I see, I know what I know. I said, no matter what I see, I know what I know, so therefore I say what I said, I believe. I trust God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath, made a promise. They will never enter my place of rest. Now, before you go off the rails with that, you're saved. He's not saying you won't be saved. He's saying that daily experience of rest, though, that daily promise, that daily manifestation of grace that you've been chasing that's been eluding you is not because of anything other than I got to really start believing this thing. I really got to start choosing. I really got to start doing what he said. They will never enter my rest, even though this rest has been ready since I made the world. Verse 4. We know it's ready because of the place in the scriptures where it, it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Now, do you know what that means? Help me articulate this simple, Lord. What it means is, is that God has done everything he was going to do for you. 
day one through six, he saw you already and completed his work concerning you. The plan of Jesus was already set in motion in the beginning. I said his plan of redemption was already set in motion from the beginning. Your money problem was fixed in the beginning. Your marriage problem was fixed in the beginning. Your job problem, your child problem, your whatever problem was already taken care of in the beginning. Stop screaming, God help me, he's helped you. What you're supposed to do is come to him in a time of trouble and say, Lord, now help me, show me, help me by showing me what I need to do to get back into the path of your grace to manifest because you've already perfected everything that concerns me. God is not making right now your manifestation. It's done. That's why it's saying here about entering his rest on the seventh day, he rested. He believes in his plan and what he already has created for you. He's trying to get you to believe like him and to do the same thing he's doing. Take your Sabbath because of what Jesus did. Jesus is your Sabbath. You can rest and cease from all your labors because he did all the work. And because he did all the work, all that God set up for you in the beginning in those first six days is now available again to you. When you were disconnected and out of relationship with him, all that good stuff he had for you was no longer available, but Jesus repaired your access. So now you rest in the fact that your access has been granted again. Thank you, Lord. Verse five. But in the other passage, uh, but in the other passage, God says, they will never enter my place of rest, verse 6. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter. Why? They disobeyed God. I'm here to tell you, now, now this is not the, again, you know this ain't to scare you or, or condemn you, but disobedience is the way you don't end up in his rest. It was back then. And it still is the case now. I don't know about you, but I'm going to obey and enter his rest. Verse 7. So God set another time for entering into his rest. They messed it up, so he made another time. And that time is when? That's why I'm preaching this to you today. Because I need you to know today that it's your time to enter into the rest. Now, if I was you, I would write this scripture down because tomorrow is going to be today. And I need you to read this on tomorrow to remind yourself what today is going to be. And then on Tuesday, I need you to do the same thing because that's going to be today. And I need you to remind yourself on Tuesday that I've entered to the rest. And then on Wednesday, I need you to do the same thing because that's going to be today. Every day for the rest of your life is going to be today. So every day you're promised to be in his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Verse 8. Y'all stay with me. Yeah. Today, when you hear his voice, there it is. Don't harden your hearts. What does it mean to harden my heart? To not obey. 
to not hear him and therefore not do what he said. See, even right now, the enemy's trying to attack some of y'all, even with this. I hear what you're saying, but it's almost time to go. So ooh, be careful. Don't harden your heart. Don't turn your ear off. You know something I learned in all these years of going to church and doing this and all that type of stuff? It was in the messages that were hardest to stay awake in, that were hardest to hear, that were hardest to stick with, that I found the greatest revelation. Because those were the ones where I was hearing stuff that made me uncomfortable, to be honest with you. Those were the ones where revelation was coming and it was just like I had to really be in tune with what God was saying to hear it. But those are often the times that are easiest to harden our hearts. And then we find ourselves not being able to, not being able to obey God. He said, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, verse 8. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them the rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. Now, what is he saying here? He's talking about when Joshua was able to take the people over in the promised land. He was saying if that was it, if that was the promised land, if that was the rest, then why would God speak about another day like we just read? He said that one today, it's now today. He's saying why would God say that this is the day if that day was already done? He was, he was demarking a line saying, these are two different situations. Because some people would say, no, that was just for the children of Israel, that's not for us. No, 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 God said, this is for us today. Verse um, nine. So there is a special rest still waiting for who? All the people of God in the room make some noise. Just trying to help you. Wake up. All right, all the people of God make some noise. Then, then, then this special day of rest is for you. Is it for all the people of God? For everybody who makes some noise. <laughs> There's a special day of rest, and that's today. Verse 10. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested, there it is, from their labors. That's what it means to rest. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not trying to make this happen for me. Now, I've rested from my labor, but I'm still going to choose to do what he says. Just as God did after creating the world. So rest, in this case, doesn't mean that I cease from activity. It means I cease from worrying about it. Can I? Yeah, I can say it that way. God's not worried about you because he knows what he has done concerning you. I say God's not worried about you because he knows he's already taken care of you. He knows he's already provided for you. He cares for you and he already set up your success in the beginning. Love does not equal worry. Love equals care. And so his response to loving you was not to worry about you, was not to doubt you, but it was to do something for you and care for you. So God knows that when he sent Jesus, he completely took care of everything concerning you. So when you're worried, guess what? God ain't. See, he 
don't even remember your sins. I'm not worried about your sins. I'm not worried about your future. I'm not worried about what's going on with you. I care. That's why I've provided. He's trying to get you to trust in his provision and stop worrying about yourself and trying to get him to worry about you too. See, some people don't like that because they want me to paint this emotional God who is, who is just, you know, oh, oh, God's, he did that already. And he's there and he's available for you. But he's like, son, daughter, I need you to stand up. I need you to get those emotions in check. I need you to see life the way I have set it up so that you can be who I've called you to be. I don't worry about you because I've settled everything concerning you and I'm resting concerning you. Now I need you to rest concerning yourself. Say that with me. Say, I rest in the finished works of Jesus. For all who have entered into God's rest have now rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. Verse 11. So, as we conclude... Let us do our, what does that say? Best to enter that rest. That rest that says it's finished. That rest that says there's nothing else to do. That rest that says I trust God. That rest that says you'll know I trust God because as a believer, I'm only going to do what he says. As a believer, you're going to find me on assignment at all times demonstrating my rest. Not I'm going to give up, cave in, or do my own thing, whatever like that. That's a sign that I don't rest. But you're always going to find a world changer on assignment because we're rested. It says, but if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, though, we were what? Don't be scared to say it. <laughs> we will what? Yeah, but you're not going to fail. You're not going to fail because all this week, you're going to be resting. All this week, you're going to be trusting God. And you're just going to keep experiencing success after success after success. Why? Because you trust in him. And so get ready for this great adventure of trusting God. Get ready to end up in places that you didn't expect to be in. Get ready to find yourself in situations that only he could put you in. Get ready to see the manifestation of his power. Get ready to hear the testimonies from those that you have ministered to in obedience to him. Get ready for increase in areas of your life. It's funny, I was standing with one of my cousins yesterday and uh, somebody came up and we were just standing there and somebody came up and said, hey, well, here's some money for this, that, and the other. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. And then about three minutes later, somebody came up and put money in my hand. Hey, here's some money for this, that, and the other. I was like, he said, wait a minute, I'm gonna stand a little closer here because it's the money line. <laughs> yeah, see, people are gonna start seeing just by being in proximity to you resting with your resting self. They're going to see the manifestation of grace on your life and going to realize it's something about this person who's obeying God. And I believe people are going to be drawn to you 
Because they're drawn to the one who's on the inside of you. And then you'll get to tell them what the real deal is. This ain't no magic. This ain't no thing other than the fact that I'm a rested believer who has walked again the manifestation of grace for my life. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> amen. So guys, now as we continue to move on, we, you know, we've been talking about the, the sequence of the life of a believer and, and now we're getting to this point now where we are, are understanding what it really means to rest and, and then to obey. So I want you to be ready now. I want you to be ready to start doing what he's telling you to do because this is not leading up to some great um, revival in the sense to where um, I'm going to be telling you how you're going to get more money and get that. This is not leading to that. This is going to be leading to you fulfilling God's will for your life. So I want to prepare you for that. Amen. Some of y'all have been waiting and trying to figure out how do I get to that next step in my walk with him? This is it. I said, this is it. So, Father God, we thank and praise you for the ministry of your word. We thank you right now that everything in our lives is settled and we rest. If you got that communion, take it out real quick. We rest in what the body and the blood of Jesus did. We rest in the fact that we are the healed. We rest in the fact that we are forgiven. We rest in the fact that your promises will come to pass in every area of our lives. So right now in our worship service, we are obedient in remembering these things. And Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise as we partake of your body and blood. And we remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus was. We remind ourselves that he offered himself for us. And we declare and decree that all is well in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, you may eat and drink. Now come on and give God some praise. Give him praise. Yes. We're resting, amen? Thanks, sir. Amen. Now is a perfect time in our worship service not to obey God with our giving. Do what he says to do. Some of y'all God been dealing with you about tithing. Obey him. Don't be afraid. Well, you know you said we didn't have to tithe. No, you don't. You don't. That's, again... You choose to obey whatever he's telling you to do. Tithing was in existence before the law. Don't tithe because of the law. So 10% because that's what he's telling you to do. So 10% because you trust him. Give an offering because you trust him. Not because you're trying to earn something from him. Not because you're trying to fulfill some law. No, it's all been fulfilled. But worship is all about obedience. So don't doubt. Don't worry. Don't fear. He told me to uh, give a couple of weeks, uh, not a couple of weeks, sorry, a couple of days ago. 
He said, no, I don't want you to wait till Sunday. I'm going to give now. And I was like, okay. It wasn't a test. It was, it was do, but it was a test for me on the inside. Do I trust him? I got to travel or I got to do this, that, and the other. And so I'd rather just wait. No, 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 because now you're waiting to see what's going to be left over. Just do what he says to do. And watch maturity begin to take place in your life as a result of that. Amen. Uh, if you're given by text, the uh, information is up on the screen. Let's just go ahead and take those offerings, raise them up. Father God, we thank and praise you right now. As an act of worship and obedience, we sow on today. We are already blessed. The seed has everything that it needs to perform on its own. So we don't try to figure out some words to say to activate your seed. It's activated because of your work. So what we do is we set ourselves in agreement that through our obedience, we're just demonstrating that we're resting in you. And we declare and decree a mighty harvest in line with your will and word for our lives. And we give you all the glory honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. If you're in this place and you don't know God as your personal Lord and Savior, oh, thank you, Jesus. If you're in this place and you don't know God, now I'm, I'm changing that today because I want to I make, make a distinction. Some of you guys may be saved, but you don't know God. You, you haven't been able to hear his voice. You haven't been able to choose his will. Uh, and if that's you in this place today, I don't want you to leave out the same way you came in. So if that's you, it's not about you being saved. Uh, it's about you saying, I need to hear his voice. I need somebody to show me in the word of God how to do that. If that's you in this place, or if you also want to be saved, I want you to come down to the front. And also, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, uh, we want you to come down in the front. We'll pray with and for you on that. That is a grace gift uh, that every believer needs to have. And last but not least, if you would love to join this wonderful, awesome church, then I want you to come down to the front. We'd love to have you here. We would love, Pastor Melissa and I would be honored to be your pastors. And uh, we would love to welcome you into this house and uh, take care of uh, you and your family's souls uh, the way God has designed for us to. Uh, so if you would like to be a part of this loving family, then we would like to invite you down to the front too. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. And as you do that, I want you to minister to those who are around you. Ask them if they need salvation. Ask them if they need to know God and learn how to hear his voice. Ask them if they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit or to join the church. If they would say yes on any of those things, help them come down to the front. Let's minister to those who are around us right now. Hallelujah. like we're all good in the house. So let's give God a hand clap of praise. Raise your hands while we prepare to be dismissed with your blessed self. Father, we just thank and praise you right now that we are blessed because of him who was able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before you, almighty God. We're talking about Jesus. To him be glory 
majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. As we leave this place, we go knowing that we're righteous and full of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed. Have a great week. Rest. Amen.